1: I'm your host, Nick Smith, and as always, we are brought to you via Geek Vibes Nation. Joining me tonight is Luke Alves.
2: What up, Luke? Not much, man. Uh, you know, kind of feeling a little bit better about my uh, Celtics um, after a yeah, two-game stretch, yeah. but hey, watch us come out in L.A. and somehow play that one to the wire and lose <laughs> possibly on another fluke. Tip ball, tip ball. Here comes Rondo Magic. So that's that'd be picture yeah. perfect right there for what the Celtics have been going through. Yeah,
1: it, w- it would be man. If there's one thing about the Celtics, they really like play to their competition more than any team in the league, um, and it's so fucking weird. Um, but hey, I, I was looking at something earlier though. Um, the Celtics uh as as far as like point differential on the season have the third best point differential game to game um like uh points scored versus uh points given up um so in and, and that's league wide that's not in the east they're second in the east um the only teams that they trail uh league wide are the the um Bucks and Warriors. So like I mean uh, you take that for what you will, whatever that means. I mean, I, I, I know that can mean like you're, you're, you're blowing out opponents and the games you lose are close, but like losing close games, um, obviously you want to win those games, but like, nevertheless, like you still like, that's, that's an important stat. Um, the fact that they are still third in point differential, um, I think is big, uh, and, and, and should be focused on more than it is. Uh, but anyway, um, I, I, but wait but real quick, before we get into the, the, the show though, um I do want to ask you this. Uh the the Sixers obviously they they're without Joel Embiid right now and they they like won some games but lost some games. Um they they almost won that game against um, uh Golden State uh without clay. Um but they inevitably, you know, fucking pull the Classic Sixers move and, and just could not score in the fourth quarter and, and just um, gave up like a 14-point lead and ended up losing a close game. Um, Indiana keeps winning um, despite being without Victor Oladipo. Um, they're one game ahead of the Sixers. Um, it looks like the Celtics are kind of firmly planted in that fifth seed. Um, I don't think they're going to win enough games to, to move up to four. They, they, I mean, they could – would you know given Philly, um, but I, I doubt it. Uh, I think there's three games behind Philly right now. Um, but who would you rather play in the first round? Would you rather play Philly because that win would mean so much as far as like just like if, if you if you beat Indy, it doesn't really mean anything, but if you beat Philly, like that could mean a lot more as to keeping Kyrie and keeping this whole unit together and and confidence moving forward. If you beat Indy, it's not that big, but obviously you would be heavily favored to beat Indy, Um, maybe not as much to beat Philly, but Boston's got Philly's number. So, like, just as as a Celtics fan, who would you rather play in the first round, Philly or Indy? Um, As a
2: Celtics fan, I'd rather play Philly just because I know – what we can do against them. We've matched up against them really well. Uh, even when Embiid's healthy, uh, Horford's really seems the play to, like, <laughs> shut, knowing him how down, to shut him down and gets into, like, yeah. Horford, like, just, like, Superman zone-like mode, like, just knows exactly how to, like, shut down Joel Embiid, which is really, like, you know, not a lot of people are good at that. So, um, and just, Every time we play the Pacers this year, I mean, even though it's different game to game, every time it's just, they just pick us apart. They have a lot of bigs that Horford, it's just not one big that Horford can focus on it. It's multiple in Turner and, um, man, I'm going to forget his name right now. Sabonis. Sabonis, yeah. So it's just, it's a different, like, even though that they don't have Victor Oladipo, they still have a good team. And yeah, um, and Evans has as a, stepped
1: up in that Oladipo role.
2: Yeah, and and as a Celtics fan, you know, I mean, I I just I, I I'd like to just go ahead and get the Sixers win, but I mean, NBA all around would hate for that matchup, and they'd rather see it in the next uh, round and not have a Celtics. But here's the thing. But here's the thing. I
1: don't think if we don't get it in the first round, I don't think we're going to get it at all, because for that to happen, Boston and Philly would have to beat Toronto and Milwaukee, and I just don't think that's going to happen. Like I think, I mean, the odds are one of those teams loses to the other, right? So you know, like I I, I would favor Philly over. Toronto more so than I would favor Boston over um, Milwaukee. Um, Granted, it could happen, and that could be like your Eastern Conference Finals, could be Philly and and Boston. Um, But I think it's less likely to happen um, than to happen. Uh, And so I I guess what I'm saying is I kind of like – as much as I thought I didn't want to see that first-round matchup, I kind of do. Like, just so we get to see it. Like, Philly-Boston is, like, one of the best Eastern Conference rivals that there is. And, like, I I think it would be huge one way or the other. Like, I think if, like, first of all, if Boston loses to Philly in the first round, Kyrie is gone. Like, it's a fucking done deal, right? Um, And if Philly loses to Boston in the first round they could potentially lose both Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris like the narrative is so fucking big like it's huge uh, for what that that first round series would mean for both teams Um, and of course like Boston has that edge has that advantage I mean Brad Stevens runs circles around Brett Brown first of all Um, and, and, and just secondly dude like if if you lose in the first round, if you're either one of those teams, like that is just a a the gut punch, devastating season, um, like that that is like your probably your worst possible outcome because both of those teams we knew were going to make the playoffs. If you lose in the first round, that's going to be terrible. So like the 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 uh, dynamics of it all, I think would make for a really exciting first round series um, that we're not looking at getting in the East we got a couple in the West that are going to be exciting, but that would be the only exciting first round series in the East. Um, so no, I'm kind of rooting for it now. Like I think it'd be, dude, it'd be a lot of fun. And of course you and I are going to have a lot of back and forth going on, uh, if that happens. Um, and chances are, I'm probably going to be devastated at the end of it. If history, uh, repeats itself. But, um, no, like I I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um but anyway, let's uh let's jump into the topics. Uh let's start off with this. Um we had a discussion yesterday, I think. Um and and Juwan kind of sparked the discussion uh by just kind of casually saying that he still thinks Boston's going to come out of the East cuz um you know, they have the best coach and um I forget what else he said, but the that, that was the thing that you know, stood out to me. Um so of course I jumped on and I was like, I don't think so. I think I think but the best coach in the East. Um and so that started a discussion of course amongst uh both you and me. Um obviously you being a a Celtics fan, um I feel like you had to kind of defend your guy's honor. Um which makes sense. Uh, but I think it's interesting. So, um, so I, is, I wanted us to have this discussion on air for our viewers. Um, why we think, uh, or, or why you think Brad Stevens is still the not. And let me let me take a step back here. We're not talking about who is coach of the year. Um, like that, this is not this discussion. Um, this is just who we think is the best coach who has built a resume, um, who is just the best coach overall. Um, So it's not a coach of the year argument because that would be obvious. Um, But just who's the best coach um, and who has proven to be the best coach. Um, So I'm going to take Budenholzer. Um, Obviously, you got your boy Brad Stevens. Uh, Let me run off some numbers uh, just real quick uh, before we jump into this. Um, So uh, Budenholzer – Uh, He's won three playoff series. Uh, He has a 43.6% winning percentage in the playoffs. Uh, As far as regular season, um, he has won 261 games in his six seasons. Uh, That's a 55.1% winning percentage. Uh, He has a Coach of the Year award uh, for that 60-win Hawks team. Um, And he has... Four Eastern Conference Coach of the Month awards. Um, Brad Stevens uh, has a uh, slightly better uh, playoff um, uh, record of 46.8% winning percentage, and he has won four series. Uh, He has five games, uh, five wins uh, ahead of uh, uh, Bud uh, in that regard. Um, As far as the regular season, he's 261 uh, win total, uh, a percentage of 54.8, so just shy of Bud's 55.1. I mean, those are like neck and neck uh, as far as, you know, regular season. Um, He has yet to win a Coach of the Year award, though. I mean, I think most people, I guess not most people because, I mean, He didn't win it last year, but I think everybody on this panel thought he should have won it last year despite Dwayne Casey uh, winning the award and then subsequently getting fired. (laughs) Um, But he did not win it. Um, But he does have uh, three uh, um, uh, Eastern Conference Coach of the Month awards uh, throughout his career. Um, So, like, they're they're neck and neck. They have both coached six seasons. Uh and, and so that's kind of the the layout of how their record stands. Why
2: do you think
1: that Brad Stevens is the better coach than
2: uh I'm just uh, I'm gonna first off start by saying what I said like, two different scenarios where they're coming from. So you gotta like look at like the background first. So Coach Bud's coming from a really good system in the Spurs. He's learning from the best He's sitting, like, he's learning an organization, how it's supposed to be run and everything, and he's learning from a great coach. So he's got a lot of tools to work with with there. So i going to start out, like, you got to work that into, like, one with, like, more Brad. So, so Brad comes from college, so he's not really ever had that, like, NBA experience. You know, a lot of coaches flake out that go college to pro and all that. And you look at them, so if you look at their their six seasons come up flip-flop-like, as you are saying, like, Stephen starts off in a rebuild, and then he goes on. And then when you get Bud, who's jumping into a team that's about to hit their side with their, their guy that they've, they've drafted in Horford, who's been an all-star for them, and he's sure. going to hit his prime. And then they're, they've just signed Millsap, Paul Millsap, who also is kind of hitting his prime, and they're figuring yeah. it out. So they've got two, like, all-stars to work with. So you got those scenarios. But, and then he goes from that team to going into a rebuild his last year. So and then it's, it's two things, but here's, here's my big thing in all, all that. So one thing that stands yeah. out for me, and, 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 and you watch your team a lot, and I watch my team a lot, but I, we both can, I think, hopefully agree with this. Is, I don't think no one's better right now. I mean, but well, between these two head to head. Than writing a play out of bounds, like drawing up a play late game, then Brad Pitt. Yeah, I mean he's proven it time in and time out again, and that's a really good thing to like be as a coach. Like, forget your systems and forget everything. Like you can do if you can really draw a play up uh, in like the final minutes, and like this is what you want. You know, you've already figured it out. you you know what the defense. I mean, perfect example last year when Horford when we're playing the Sixers and they just dropped that play where it, just, it made the pictures so dumb <laughs> how wide <laughs> that was we the worst flipped in turns and we got horse wide open. it was Ugh. just like it's beautiful and you're just like wow like Brad Stevens you knew exactly you were such a good coach right there that you out, like you knew what your your opponent was going to do wait wait okay Brad brown okay but let's
1: let's, let's hold on like uh, just for a second. Um, number one is this. Uh, you're trying to tell me like Brad Stevens is better drawing up plays than Luke Walton? Like, come on, bro. Okay, poor sense of humor. Um, but uh, second, um, like Brad Stevens like running circles around Brett Brown is is like obvious. Like, that's the poor man's uh, uh, pop disciple. So. Um, so I, I don't know, like, but I will give you this. I do think, um, Brad Stevens, uh, is, um, I, I don't think you can argue that anybody's better than him at drawing up plays, uh, like, like plays, uh, important plays at the end of games. Um, I think he is one of several who are really fucking good at it, um, and I think you can absolutely make the argument that he is the best at it. I don't necessarily think that – I feel like it's hard to um, put him over a, – a, there's a few guys who I would throw in there. Um, but, yes, I will I will give you that he is in the conversation for the best, if not the best.
2: Okay, so we got the check right there. So that's, that's just going to put one in the Stephen's in box, so – we're gonna look at an, a, a couple other things too. So. <laughs> I like how you did that. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the playoffs, so you know how we we've said all the things. So what you got to look at really playoffs is how you react to the game, like the the opponent's game, like what what he's running at you and all that. And if you look at it till the trail end, uh, Bud could never figure out what. LeBron, like I, like, there was no coach over there. Lou was not doing anything. He could never figure out what LeBron and the Cavs are doing. I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys' this head-to-head record against the Cavs is you might have a one win or two, and the rest you got swept you, one time. I this, know.
1: This is but, a but, but, conversation. Hey, hey, I'm
2: going to challenge this but, one. Hey. Like I'll give you but, the but, other you one. Can but we're about to. You can challenge it. You can challenge it, but just hear me out. So. So you got to okay. think he's had a couple of playoff series with them, and you know you guys had your team, you know, sixty win team. That's the really good one too. That like yeah, you're in tried, but they came in and just and so you got to look at that. Where you have Stevens, where we did the first year. Hey, we did. We got swept. I'm not going to even lie there. So I'm. i Yeah, we, I'm pretty sure we got swept the first time we did, but You did. We're going to the next year and. You have not only you've gone through a crazy season where you just lost two of your top players, but the whole time you're just being doubted. I mean, you went toe to toe with Milwaukee, which if Milwaukee had a coach, they they should have beat us, but they don't have a coach, so that that's what works against them now. Bud's in that situation right. last year. I mean, we're we're going to be talking a whole different story, but you know, Bud wasn't there, so but right. you know, you have Stevens who 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 definitely you know takes care of the Sixers, but now he's going against the Cavs, and I mean, really took on I me. Mean, Towards the end, I'll give you, he didn't have, but you could tell, like, game to game, he he had a, a, a scheme that he was going to run with this team, that that's how we're going to match with LeBron, and these and these guys without any superstar right now, and we're going to need something out of you, so that's why I kind of want to give the edge right there, just like, if you're going to look at, like, the playoffs and all that, so you look at the final picture, and it was always the Cavs, and Forget all the other teams. What like what you play? Like the Cavs, they're in their prime because we, you know, Celtics played them and the Hawks played them at like two different points. Like if you look at it, like the beginning two years with the LeBron and the Man two years. So you had them at you had at a different team. You had them at a, a harder and healthier team. But I just hell
1: think, like, yeah, they had Kyrie Irving at that. At, when we had to play them, like <laughs> but hey, and
2: LeBron was okay. like two years younger. Like that's a big fucking difference, bro. We we had Kyrie one year too, and they just oh man, that year that he just man with about it. but but again, I'm just done yeah. so like Stevens that edge that you got to give Stevens a slight edge that he definitely figured out the next year after he played him. So if you go two years in a row, I mean, Bud didn't figure that much out, so yeah, he's always but like, gonna, we were there
1: we, against last year's Cavs team. Like last year's Cavs team was like not good. They just weren't good. Like, LeBron willed them to the fucking finals. Like, they, they should have lost in the fucking uh, first round. <laughs> like, like Indy was a better team than them. It's just LeBron wouldn't let them lose. And, of course, we all know, like, LeBron owns, like, rents space out in Toronto's head. Um. So, like, you know, that is what it is. But, like, last year's Cavs team was not... Anything close to any of the previous year's Cavs teams, um, like they, 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 like so, to argue that because you know Bud got swept by the Cavs and that you know Stevens took them seven games, uh, you're dealing with two crazy different Cavs teams. Um, and not just not just not having Kyrie and LeBron being two years older, but like J.R. Smith being two years older, Tristan Thompson being a shell of what he used to be. Um, fucking uh, uh, not having Matthew Della um is huge because he was great for them. He was great off the bench for them. Um, there, there, there's just uh, so many um, caveats of how that team trended downward since LeBron, like, signed there. Um, and it, it just, it, it's not a comparison to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, but did Kyrie injure his knee that one year against you guys in the finals? Because he didn't play against Golden State, or did he do that in the finals? Right.
1: No, he, but he. I'm pretty played, sure he I got, got he injured
2: three, against
1: you guys, too. He played, He got injured against us, but he did play. I I want to say three out of the four games. Here, I'll look it up. Um, but continue with your argument, and I'll look it up.
2: Okay, but, but but what I'm trying to get to is like, there's such good coaches that you gotta like you gotta nitpick at these things. So that's what I'm nitpicking at right now. They really are like Sam. So here's another thing that I'm going to kind of like go with Steven's that player development. So you're looking back at this scenario. So Bud jumps into a, a team that has, you know, they, they already have good players and all that. I mean, you know, you're getting Corbin, his shooting prime, T time, and all that. So he's got a formidable team to get getting Milsef and all that. So he's not really having to develop players and all that. Well, when he gets a person that he can kind of, they and, so, uh did Bazemore or of get uh drafted? Who got drafted first? I wanna say right? Do what now? Tim Bazemore got drafted first before Dennis, right? Dennis of Uh Bazemore wasn't drafted by us.
1: Um uh, but he was uh yeah, we signed him. I think he was drafted by like the Lakers. Um but yeah, Dennis. Dennis, uh, he was – I'm pretty sure he was drafted – yeah, he was definitely drafted before Dennis was, yeah.
2: Yeah, so, you know, he's he's still getting, like, some, like, decent players. So, it's like, you never really got to see any of his player development and all that. And even with those guys, I mean, you look at when they – they leave even baseball right now. I mean, minus what hurts Bud, too, is he was balancing two things. And I want to hold, like – him being the president against them, like that, that hurt his coaching abilities because he didn't really understand what he's doing inside these weird contracts like Bazemore. And now you look at Bazemore and like... Hey, them hey okay. To, like, hey, I will take no.
1: objection to that simply because in 2016, everybody was signing fucking shitty contracts. And uh, out of all of those shitty contracts, Bazemore is probably like at the bottom of that like totem pole of shitty contracts. It's not nearly on the level of like, you know, Mozgov or fucking Luol Deng or, you know, Alan Crabb or any of those other fucking contracts. Um, so like, yeah, it was, it was not a smart move. We should have probably just let him walk and then um, looked at re-signing uh, Hardaway uh, the following season. Um, but, uh, you know, hindsight being 2020, that's a lot easier to say. Um, but at, at the time, um, we even convinced Basemore to leave money on the table um, to sign, you know, with Atlanta instead of going to the Lakers. Cause that was the thing. Like he could have, the Lakers offered him a fucking max contract <laughs> um, and he turned it down just to, to stay in Atlanta um, on a slightly discounted contract. Um, so like, yeah, I, I, do agree it was a bad deal, obviously. Well, wait um, I'm, but I'm, like, I'm,
2: I'm gonna draw. My, I'm gonna draw my point though, too. So like, you, okay. the player development thing is like, you, you have people that like base more Like, you kind of like let him go downhill from there. Like, you could have developed him. Shoddy kind of did his own thing. When like you had all stars, so you didn't have to develop them. But when he really got down to, you know, hey, we're gonna go through a rebuilding. He, well, I mean, he elected that he probably didn't want to do it, but it's just like you don't have that in, like, buzz, like, like you can't look at it as a coaching thing. Like, even right now with this current team, he's not really, like, having to show, like, any player development, what he's doing for a team. Like, he just came into a really good team and was like, hey, you know, I'm I'm pretty smart and if we can run a good team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a perfect team around you. You're not really seeing player development. When Stevens is the opposite, where he comes into a, a rebuilding team, we're terrible the first year, but, like, rather than that, we're, we're competing where we do two games above four, uh, 500 or we're two games b- below it. It was like we were right there. So, he had a good second season. He decided, he's getting people to, like, you see, like, the Evan Turner people, like, we didn't sign. They didn't re-sign Evan Turner, but, like, he looked good in our system, like, because you saw a player development out of, like, Evan Turner been, like, turnaround around and all that. But, like, even our young guys, you've been seeing this, like, Rozier, all that, like you can go to Brown, Tatum too. I mean, but Tatum's just another thing. But like you see, player development, Marcus Smart, and all that. Like you've seen what Brad's been able to do with just like you know these guys. When yeah, I'll give you right now. He's not been doing the best with superstars. So you can give like who's better coaching out of like a, a super. But superstars a, a lot different because there's a lot more ego going I into present it. Present them, you fucking asshole. Hey, I gotta stand. Uh, I gotta stand on my point though. So so egos are two different things, but if you really look at it, what a coach should be doing is developing players too as well. and I got to give Stevens that that checkpoint too. I mean just said he's developed a lot more players, made them really good. I mean he Isaiah Thomas, you could say maybe could have figured it out, but really wouldn't have figured out how really good he oh, no, it was, was all about that system. being It was all about Brad and that system. So I'm just trying to say, yes, it's like, Brad I makes people to where he could have been. He could have gotten a Brinks truck if he didn't run into his hip and made, like, you know, like, made a guy into a superstar. But so that's why I got I got to go with the the check over students just because, you know, he, he's been able to develop people and all that, not walked into two great scenarios and all that. And when he does have the option, you guys were not that great last year where you were young and he could – Try to like develop some kids and all that. You didn't really see weren't that. He wasn't great in I mean, your
1: first season. He wasn't great in his first season either. So like he can't like again like I think that's a flawed argument.
2: But it's not that flawed. I mean, it's just you got to look at the like what they've been able to do with player development, and Brad's just been able to develop a lot of guys
1: into well, okay, pretty
2: good people. Let's,
1: let's back up. Let's back up.
2: I do think Brad's system was a big reason
1: Isaiah Thomas was as successful as he was. But um Isaiah Thomas was not a developed player. They didn't develop him. They incorporated him and his skill set into that lineup and they did it fucking flawlessly. Um so like to to say they developed him is, is or Brad developed him is is not true. Like the, the okay, so let's look at the players that Brad's developed. Um let's look at let's say uh Tatum most recently. Um uh, Brown, uh, obviously, Rogier. Um and, I mean, who else would you throw into that? Maybe Smart? Oh, is Smart Smart.
2: Oh, definitely Smart. Not,
1: yeah. yeah, definitely Smart. Like, he's been there six years. Smart's only been there, like, five. So, like, Smart, um, anybody else that you would throw into that as far as, like, they drafted while he was there um, and developed who's turned out to be, like, really good? I think those are, like, the four standouts, if you will,
2: right? No, yeah, those are the four. I'm not going to count the RJ Hunters and the uh, other flakeouts that we have. But... <laughs> well, but see, like, again, like, those are just,
1: like, bad draft picks. Like, those are, or, you know, like, failed NBA players, and there's nothing you can do about those. But, like, yes, yeah, so, like, let's take those four. Um, so, the like, obviously, Atlanta was in a very different position. They didn't have the luxury of having a um, bevy of, Net's picks coming in uh, to to retool uh, when um, when Bud took over, um, but he developed Prince very well. Prince came a, a starting player in his rookie season and played really fucking well. He's dropped off since uh, Bud left. He's not played nearly as well this year, um, you know, since uh, uh, Lloyd Pierce has taken over. Um, he also uh very much developed Dennis Schroeder. uh Schreiter was uh 2013 draft um and i believe that was the year that bud took over um he utilized him very well in the playoffs uh in in uh his first season uh as the backup point guard and eventually he took over as the starting point guard he played really well um under bud Um, So, like, that's another player uh, that I think he developed very well. Um, He's definitely a starting caliber point guard. Um, I still think he needs to um, find a system that really works for him. I think he worked really well in Bud's system, as we're seeing Eric Bledsoe uh, do the same. Um, I don't think – he obviously didn't work well last year, um, you know, mainly because we were tanking uh and I think he was just disinterested and didn't really give a fuck um which is one of the big reasons why the hawks ended up trading him for little to nothing um but nevertheless I still think he developed him well um John Collins had a very good rookie outing um so he developed uh helped develop John Collins uh you know very well uh last season Um, So I I think that, you know, your development factor is relying heavily on the fact that Stevens has had more people to develop. Um, He's had, like, more draft picks. Uh, He's had more chances of development. If we really broke down, like, the draft, the, like, viable draft picks that both teams have had, the Hawks just haven't had nearly as many, um, you know, under under, – uh, Bud's tenure uh, than Stevens had uh, as the Celtics coach. So, like, if you're taking raw numbers, sure, like the Celtics are going to have more. Um, but like, I think for the players uh, that that you know they brought in, uh, I think Bud did a really good job with them. And the fact that like you know he hasn't necessarily developed any young talent on this Bucks team this year. Um, you know, the only player they had was Diffin Genzo, and they played him early. Um, but I mean, it just became like really prevalent very early on in the season that they were better suited going with Brogdon at the two and Snell backing him up than playing Diffin Genzo. It just didn't make any sense to play him. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the best argument. I think Christian Woods play, um, it, you know, throughout the season, uh, it has been spotty, um, but I think that you know that that is a maybe a slightly better example because he's gotten a little more play in defensive. Um, but I mean, he's again, it's like a what number forty-four pick or something like that. Like he's late, much later, not a not a cream of the crop pick by any means. Uh, so. Like, I, I I I feel like you could, again, maybe slightly give the edge to Brad there because he's had more to play with, but I don't think it's a heavy edge.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give him a heavy edge, but I'm also going to put that – I mean, I know you stand by Basemore but, like, I put Basemore's failure of, of player development on Bud. I mean, he had him when he was pretty young, so – you had to look at the Bayesmore kind of thing, and he's gone down. Yeah, but Baysmore had his
1: best year last year under Bud, and he's again taking a step back this
2: year, not under Bud. He's, he's always just been down. Dude, Bayesmore shot thirty
1: nine percent from three last year on a team that was tanking. Like he's like he was really efficient last year and played really well, um, and that was like part of why I thought we could maybe get a first-round pick out of him if, it was, if we were to take back, like, a really bad contract in return. Um, but his play this year has just made that impossible, as we saw. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I don't put that on Bud. Like, I mean, I I I I think you got what you got out of base. I, I would put on Bud that he gave him that contract. And, again, you know, I've already qualified – you know why he gave him that contract, but um, but that's a different argument. That's a that's a front office argument. Um, and if anything, I would say that again, like the fact that you know Brad Stevens has Danny Ainge making decisions in the front office only helps him, uh, whereas you know Bud was having to make those decisions himself, which he's clearly not as good as Danny Ainge at.
2: Yeah, but I mean, Bud put himself in that spot, like wanting to be present. I mean, you got to put that. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, you're absolutely
1: no. You're right.
2: But I mean, uh, we could go on and on for this. I mean, uh, if you want to get like, if you want to <laughs> say a couple of these things. <laughs> I mean, we. I would. I would. I'd,
1: I. I feel like I've interjected enough to get across most of my points. My biggest point would be, um, I, Bud has absolutely. Like been the best coach in the Eastern Conference this season Um, and he's proving what he can do if you give him a superstar talent. Um, He has never had a superstar talent. Um, You can say all you want about that 60-win team having four all-stars and what have you. Um, Kyle Korver um, is not all-star caliber never was. Um, The East was, like, super weak that year. Um, So that's why he made it. That's why Jeff Teague made it. Um, And and a big reason why they made it was because the Hawks were just playing so well, Um, and that was because of Bud's system Um, and and sharing the ball. Like, I don't know if you really remember this, but people were talking about them, like, for a long time as, like, the – Spurs of the East, like they were like exactly this is the Eastern
2: Conference Spurs. Sure, cut you off real quick. Because yeah. he was not. That's not his system. He literally took Pop's system and brought it to the East. That's all he did. If you look at your 61 team, that is exactly the Spurs the last year he was with them when they were winning and really like putting the ball around. So it's like that's not his system. He literally just took a coach's system and like I'm going to go to the terrible east and put it on a team right now with some people that are going to be good and I'll make them look really good because no one in the east runs this style so
1: you're but you're you're only proving my point honestly um and that you know like I it, like it's it's not as much that he took pop system it's that he learned from pop and he said this this is what I think works, and I'm going to take 80% of this and change 20% of it and implement it here. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's what he did. And it worked, and he was able to get a team that had no star talent. Like, no, like Millsap was our best player. Al Horford was our, like, you know, uh, like, uh, our 1B. Like, we had a 1A, 1B kind of system um but neither neither of those guys are like superstar talents um we just had like a really good team like you know we were basically like the clippers this season like if you put the Clippers in the east this year, they're probably like the third or fourth seed um like playing this kind of schedule like that's basically what the Hawks were, but they were able to get sixty wins um and like dude like they're just that's what it was and So I think my overall point being now that he has Giannis, he is showing what he can do with a a superstar and being able to, like, basically say, this is what we're going to develop around this superstar talent. We're going to, like, get all of these other guys involved, whether it be Bledsoe or uh, Middleton. Uh, Obviously, I – John Horst is my GM of the year, um, and it's ridiculous to me that he's not getting more uh, praise for GM of the year. So, um, again, shout-out to John Horst for all of his moves, um, for bringing in Brooke Lopez and Ilyasova and everything else. Um, like, but, like, utilizing all those players has been greatly beneficial, uh, obviously, to Bud. Now that he has those guys, he's able to do everything uh, that he wasn't able to do in Atlanta. Um, and I think the fact that he is able to manage, um, not only, like, manage the, the, the like to keep everybody happy, to get everybody their touches that they need, um, but also manage a talent like Giannis and make the team flow around him. Is something that Brad has not been able to prove um, because, like, you can say what you want about Isaiah Thomas, like, and and and, like, dude, Isaiah Thomas, like, when he was fifth in MVP voting, he was fucking great, but nobody ever thought like he was an elite talent. They everybody said he's a fucking benefactor of that system, Um, and you could use that to say, hey, that's points for Brad but like my point is when you have an elite talent and Brad has that in Kyrie he can't seem to figure out how to restructure his system in order to make that work and like essentially I know Giannis and and Kyrie are two different players and everything else and maybe it's easier to structure a system around Kyrie In, in fact it is easier to structure a system around Giannis than it is Guy Reed. I, and I get that. Um, but the, like, they'll have to just go off what we have seen and what they've been able to accomplish. And, you know, the, it is what it is. The, the record shows what it is. And, uh, you know, Bud has been able to make the perfect system around Giannis, where it has, whereas Brad has had 2 years to you know make this system around Kyrie get either get Kyrie to buy in to your system um you know cuz the thing is he could get if 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 he could get Kyrie to buy into his system that uh Isaiah Thomas thrives so much on he would be golden but he can't he can't get him to buy into that and that has the So he's constantly been trying to figure out how he can work Kyrie into it, and none of it has worked. Um, uh, At least it hasn't worked um, uh, consistently. And I I, I think that is at least um, the fact that the first superstar that he's had, he's not been able to – to, to make a system work around that superstar, um, I think that, to me, is the biggest um, strike against Brad uh, that Bud uh, has excelled at. Um, so that, to me, is why I would lean toward Bud, um, though I think we, we, again, can both agree it's a really, really close argument. Um, I'm going to throw it to you for any final words before we
2: move on because we've already gone yeah. Long on this topic. I was gonna say we're gonna call this a wrap, but here's two things against what I'm gonna say against you and it's gonna go more into Brad's thing. Brad can't like really like make people like each other. Like he can't force people to like each other. Like you can play basketball and like once you're on the court, you know, like playing all that and all that. So you can't hold that against him. that like you can definitely tell that some people don't like each other on this team that you, this year, and it's, it's clearly obvious, so you can't hold that against him. that, yeah, he's doing a great job. Yeah, he's getting a happy team, and, and Giannis, and he's a, he's a better guy. But also, too, into that point is that you uh, we play better with Kyrie on the floor. Like, we're statistically better with him on the floor, even though, like, yes, our team does when he's not there. They do play better. I've seen that, that but – When we play, when Kyrie plays, we're a really good team. So he's worked his system perfectly fine with Kyrie in it and obviously without him in it. If we can make the argument that he's not doing a good job because we're a damn good team with Kyrie in our, like, he's good. He knows how to play the system. Yeah, he's not thriving like Isaiah, but Isaiah was a different scenario. He wasn't a superstar coming to a team and all that. He was becoming a superstar with the team and all that when Kyrie, you know, He's he's it's an ego thing. So that's just it's you can't hold Brad accountable for like you can't force him to like lock them all in the room and be like figure your shit out and like each other. But like when they play on the court, they play well together. I mean, we are good with Kyrie. Like his system works with Kyrie. It's just you can clearly tell people just don't like each other, and that's what hurts us.
1: Yeah, I I think Jalen Brown hates Kyrie. (laughs) <laughs> um and oh, 100%, that is 100% does not y- like them yeah no they just did not get along by the way um before we move on um i'm going to say over under 50% no i'll go lower than that cuz i did i feel like it it should be lower um i'll say 23% um chance that the the young guns on uh, the Celtics are pulling a silent coup against Kyrie, my conspiracy theory, uh, are pulling a si- silent coup against Kyrie to get him to leave because they don't want him there because they want their own team and um, they prefer playing with Terry Regier. 23%. Uh, only,
2: only reason I'm going to flaw, I'm going to go way under, just the only reason I'm going to flaw is, like, yeah, maybe Rozier Brown and maybe Smart, but from what I'm told, uh, Tatum's, like, really, like, Kyrie's only good friend on that team. Like, he, even uh, maybe yeah, the background teams. brought yeah. him, but, like, Tatum uh, Tatum really is going with Kyrie. So that's the only reason I go under, just because you're not going to have Tatum in that one. He's, um, from what I'm told, he actually does get along, like, when I'm, like, what I hear is, like, he, he gets along with, with Kyrie. So he's, like, Kyrie's only, like, good friend on this team, so that's the only reason i got to go under. Sure, sure.
1: All right, let's move on. Um, I think we have uh, essentially reached the conclusion that um, both of these coaches are really good, uh, and um, you prefer your guy, and I prefer Bud, and um, that's about where I thought we would end up. Uh, I didn't think it would take us 45 minutes to end up there, but it did. So we definitely need to move on, even though we could probably go another 45 minutes on this topic. Um, All right, let's get into the Sloan Analytics Conference. Uh, We touched on this last episode a couple days ago, um, but we weren't able to really delve into it. Um, I I pitched my uh, mid-season tournament slash shortening the season idea Uh, to Joelle and Juwan um, at the tail end of the the show. uh, We weren't really able to go into it, and we don't really have time to go into it again uh, because of how long we ran on this uh, first topic. Um, But just in general, um, I want to talk about a couple things, uh, you know, Simmons asked Silver about, one of which being the midseason tournament. um, and, And that was, that came out of, Uh, Bill Simmons asking about shortening the season to 70 games. Um, uh, Simply put, my notion was if you shorten the season down to 72 games, you can play 58 regular season games uh, against – so every team plays every team once, um, or or twice rather, one home, one away. Uh, You get a 14-game round robin in the middle of the season, uh, and then, you know, that tournament can – be whatever it is, uh, you know, whatever you want it to stand for. But I think um, something that would be nice from it is to, you know, guarantee that you get the, you know, the um, home court advantage. I think that would be something that you could, you know, make the teams actually play for. Uh, And that would end up being like a 72-game season. Um, What do you think about, like, a mid-season tournament in general and just, like, shortening the season um, are you in favor of, of those kind of ideas, um, or do you think like maybe that that's good for soccer, but maybe not for the NBA?
2: Oh uh, no, I mean it's really interesting. I mean, uh, I don't really hate it. I mean, I, I like the fact. That, I being mean, yeah, the season is a little long. I mean, there are some games where, I mean, you're kind of not even interested. You could be like out for a week where you just like look at your team schedule and you're just like, whoop. <laughs> I just checked out for a good four games right now and I'll come back in a right. second so so yeah. I, I understand the whole shortening I mean the mid season thing interests me um the only reason I'm going to like really quick um just back like shut down your mid like getting home court advantage if you do it mid-season that's exactly why baseball at the All-Star game with such ridicule is like you can't do that too, like, even though that's all an Understand consequence But it's just like yeah. it's like it's like you could play really hard right there at that point of time, and then rest down the stretch, being like, "Well, I already got home court advantage, so why play my guys? True. Like, why go back to backs and all that stuff?" So, but I could Very see like true. some other cool instances, like if you were to um, add more teams, or here, here's how you go, you like, because you gotta think if you're in the mid season tournament you're going to be probably at ending the playoff team so we'll just put like your pick's going to be bad so what if it, instead your pick slid to the the number like you got the the 14th or the last pick in the lottery like you jumped into the lottery somehow or you got money off the luxury so like it's going to it's going to help work against for this one season it's going to help work against your luxury so now you can go out possibly and make that trade that you haven't done yet and you could have been able to maybe be like, but now we could get this extra $5 million that could work against this, like a uh, trade bonus, like, you know, I mean, not trade bonus, uh, whether you have a um, trade uh, exception, uh, when team gets Yeah, them. trade exception. Yeah. Yeah, trade exception. So, just kind of be like that. So, you could, I, I find it interesting. I mean, I definitely, I mean, if they can incorporate it right now, I don't see it working in the next decade. But, I mean, the way, you know, right. um society's going and, like, you know, and, like, our age group of kids and then the, the next generation under at the mean, It's definitely changed in the way that we view things and all that. So to catch our interest, I could see them mid tournament being kind of, kind of cool. I mean, if you could incorporate something like that, I mean, cause if you look at it, I mean the bottom teams, yeah, they're going to go in there and they can get fun. It's going to be extra money and all that. So that's what they can look at is a, a different TV deal. You could sell it to a different network and all that. So we're going to get that money for the bottom teams, but actually the teams that will probably be competing Later on in the year, it could be an incentive like that. So I find it interesting if they can make it work, but don't try to rush it. Yeah. No, I
1: mean, I I, I totally agree with you. I, I think it should be I, – I think there's so many things that should be um, on interim bases, um or bases, maybe. Is that the way you would say that? I'm not sure. Um, and I'm ashamed that I'm not sure, uh, but – uh yeah no I think you you have to yeah you, I mean you have to be cautious you you don't do anything like uh you know throw caution in the wind what have you um that's bitting them in the ass a couple times and and actually most recently uh and we'll get to it with this this, this draft reform um but uh yeah I I. I like the idea of a mid-season tournament. It's just got to mean something cool. Like, you can't, like, and that's and, and the thing. In, in the interview, essentially, like, Bill Simmons, that was his first reaction to when Adam Silver brought it up. He was like, okay, so what does that mean? Like, you get, like, a, a, a better draft pick or whatever? And Adam Silver was like, no, no. Like, it's just, it. it you you just... You win the in season tournament. Like it is what it is. Like it's 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 something on its own, and it's like it. You can't implement that and just have it be like something on its own. It doesn't work like that. Like you can't do it that way. Um, it's got to mean something in the interim. You can't have it mean too much, um, but you can't have it. You know, not mean enough. Um, so it's just finding out what it means. Um, but no i mean i, I think uh, I think it's a, a a good idea I think it's something they should um, definitely uh play around with I think it's something that they should implement uh on an interim basis and not uh anything permanent when they decide to actually implement it um, because uh as we've seen most recently with the all star game uh the whole um having uh you know the top players draft picks uh ended up working out great for the first season, not so much this past season. Adam Silver even commented on that in the interview. Uh so yeah, let's let's just um play it by ear but you know be cautious. Uh all right. Yeah, they also talked talked about expansion. Um they said um essentially uh you know uh, Bill asked them uh, about when a team was going to be in Seattle. He said he didn't know, uh, and, and he asked him furthermore about expansion. Um, th- he basically just said it's not going to happen um, anytime soon. Uh, Bill was like, hey, l- let me say $2.5 million, uh, and I won't take any revenue uh, from the TV deals for five years. And Adam Silver just kind of playing plank was like, that's not enough. Um, with that being said, do you see expansion happening anytime soon, Luke? Like, and by anytime soon, I mean in the next decade. Do you see expansion? Because, like, to me, I was like, expansion, like, it's not going to happen in the next like two or three years, but four, five, six, seven years. Now I'm like, I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen in the next twenty years. Honestly, um, where do you sit on uh, this topic? Do you, do you think Do you think there's a way that they could make it worth the other team owners wild, or do you think it's just it, there's no way
2: No, I mean, um the next decade, yeah, I could see it definitely be an expansion. Here's what I'm gonna say. it'll probably be like eight years, maybe even like the ten like maybe like the seven or eight year mark, but it's gonna like basketball's growing so worldwide right now, and all that, and you're just getting better and better talent. And if you can incorporate this 18 league, if you can figure out what you're doing with the G league and really get like a good G league system. And then, you know, when they're going to hopefully do all these double A changes. So now you're going to have like different types of recruiting you're gonna have the guys that are going to be more popular, like, like polished coming out of college right now. And then you'll have to like the young like, so oh, I, I just think in due time, there will be, I mean, hopefully for, the other owners it's that there's more talent out there and you know that you're not going to have to sacrifice that much and hopefully you know they can add more like draft and like maybe the money deals are going to get like a little bit better too so maybe giving them a sentiment like you know they're not going to take the five-year revenue for the TV you know maybe give it back to some of the like you know the ownerships and all that so you could maybe figure out if they if they really want to be stoned but I don't see expansion as a bad thing for owners and all that. I mean, look at hockey. I mean, they're doing it. I mean, soccer's done it. It worked very well in Atlanta. I mean, if you throw Seattle back in the mix, I mean, that's basically a, like, like going to make a with, lot of money. With Atlanta, it's going to be Atlanta United for Seattle. I mean, it's going to make a lot of money. Right. It just makes sense. It's like, yeah. it's cities that just make sense. So it's like, but Se- Seattle's an already established, like kind of sports center, So you got to, like look exactly. beyond that, but there's like you could go back to a bunch of like, like because what I'm saying like with internationalists, you could go back to like, Mexico City is a hard one to get into right now. So like, but you could pay possibly mm-hmm. go back to Vancouver and be like, yeah, Vancouver. Do you want to become a Grizzlies and be the second team in Canada? I mean, basketball is pretty big right now. We'll get how good Toronto is for you guys. Why don't you not be like the team in the north and like start this rivalry? And bring back like you know Vancouver Grizzlies I mean, and all that. So there's. There's ways, and then there's other teams that, like we've said, like St. Louis, you know, you can look at um, Kansas City, um, New Mexico. even Yeah, Louisville. So so there's there's, but I don't see it happening soon just because I don't see any of the owners wanting to sell their team and move their teams, even like New Orleans disaster right now. She's still very young and in ownership and all that, and I know highly doubt she just wants to just sell it right now. And the way the basketball is right now, like, a lot of teams are worth a lot of money, so it's not like they're losing any value. Even if New Orleans is a train wreck of an organization, it's still holding its value. So I just don't think there's an incentive to, like, move in the next, even five years. But I could see seven or eight years, here we come, we're going to come back just because the way that the A-team, will they'll finally figure it out. Kids coming out of high school, now you're getting more, like, better kids coming out of college and all that, so it's just like the crop, like, the talent just a lot better, it's a bigger pool. And maybe yeah. add like a more another draft, like a third round in the draft, giving kids more opportunities, really like your G League system's really good, so that's why I could see it happening in eight years.
1: Yeah, I mean I
2: I'll say this. I think it's more likely
1: that a current team relocates to Seattle than Seattle is the next expansion team. Um, just based off of Silver's comments, based off of everything that I've studied and heard about this, um, I I just think that is more probable um, than Seattle becoming an expansion team. And if that happens, then it's like, well, okay, well, where's our next market that we really need to capitalize on? It's not there. I mean, maybe you could argue Vegas, um, but... Or St. Louis or Kansas City or any of those, but the the Seattle is the market, and if one of those existing teams, whether it be Memphis or New Orleans um, or even Phoenix, though I doubt Phoenix uh, would do it, they got their uh, their deal now for their uh, uh, new arena. Um, But one of those two teams, uh, you know, end up doing that, Um, I, I think. I, I don't see it happening. I, I don't see it happening in the next maybe decade plus, um, which is sad because 32 is just a much easier number to to, to to pontificate on all sorts of different other things. Uh, but, it, you know, it is what it is. I, I just don't think we're going to see it. I think 30 is going to be the number for a long time. Um I'd much rather have 32, or 28, for that matter, Um, just because both of those are easier numbers to work with uh, as far as um, restructuring various other things throughout the league. Uh, But, you know, 30 is the number we got, and that's, I think, going to be the number we keep for quite some time. Uh, But, you know, we'll see. Uh, All right, Uh, player mental health. Um, That's another thing that... uh, Adam Silver uh talked about with with Simmons um basically you know i mean he talked about how players just aren't happy and how it's not um he doesn't necessarily, necessarily think it's a league thing it's more just like a, a young person thing um you know with the rise of social media and all of this um people are more disconnected than ever um And I I do, I don't feel that. Um, I think I'm, I guess maybe I'm just kind of an old soul. Um, Like, I I mean, I have Facebook, um, and that's it. Like, I don't have a Twitter account. I don't have an Instagram. Like, I don't, like, I'm not heavy into social media. Um, Like, I got a Facebook, and I, like, check it, you know, daily and what have you. Um, But uh, I do think, it's interesting because I do think he has, like, some solid ground to stand on here. Um, like, as far as players, A, being uh, so heavily connected to so many people via social media. I mean, we saw it with, like, Katie's burner accounts and all that. jazz. Uh, but, like, uh, not only that, but, like, just being disconnected from their teammates um and i think we're seeing more and more of that uh especially uh through adversity like you know like you used to have these teams when when they had adversity they would like like fight almost like they they would argue and they would they scrap and now you're just having people being quiet not talking to each other and like it's like you, if you if you don't have interaction you can't like like work through it um, even if it 's like bad interaction even if it's even if it 's confrontation at least you 're communicating and, and, and trying to work through it um, I think he brings up a good point here uh, that like the that this generation 's disconnectedness from society um, and and from problems and not wanting to address them uh, it it, it does have some standing as to how these locker rooms are playing out nowadays, and I, I think it is something that um, both coaches and GMs uh, and he as commissioner um, have to uh, be aware of in order to, uh, you know, best fulfill their positions um, and. You know, I, I, I think it's an actual issue. I mean, we saw DeMar DeRozan come out um, and, and, and talk about how he uh, had been affected by it. We saw um, uh, Kevin Love come out and talk about how he had been affected uh, by it. You know, mental health. Um, so uh, what are your thoughts just in general on, uh, uh, you know, the, the mental health for NBA players in uh, this generation, and what are your thoughts on, you know, Adam Silver, you know, basically saying, like, this is a, probably, I won't say priority number one for him, but a high priority for him as far as, uh, you know, what he feels like his job is uh, as it pertains to the players uh, in his league.
2: No, I mean, it's a it's a very interesting topic. I mean, you got to look at it as, like, it's it's something that no generation's ever gone through. I mean, you just have so much, like, the lights on you just from day one and all that. And it's just, like, you just, it's hard for, I mean, like, like you're saying, I mean, I'm the same way, too. I'm not that big on social media, so I don't really, like, let it get to me. But, I mean, still a lot of people our age and definitely, like, younger are, like, that's what they are. There's, it's social media, number one. It's just, like, you can't do anything anymore. Like, you were talking about, like, <clears throat> back in the team, it, it, teams at risk, like, you know, they fought and all that. If you were to fight right now, it gets blown up, and it's it's a story for, like, three weeks, and it's, like, really thrown in your face and all that. So, no one, like, especially really good players, you don't want that publicity. I mean, you got to look at, um, what's his face? That's uh yeah, that's, um. who just got traded to the Bucks, Um Got punched in the face by Bobby Porce last year. I mean, you didn't really hear about it, but, I mean, that comes out, and you're kind of like, whoa, I mean, are they, like, really good, like, players right now? Like, what's going on in the locker room? So, I mean, it, it, being a superstar, if you already have, like, the pedigree on you, like, like, even they're just not even big names if you do anything. So, it's just, like, it's really hard to, no generation's how to deal with it. I mean, you're looking at, like, like Barkley and a lot of them have just like, you know, they just, they don't understand it and all that. It's just different times. I mean, you didn't have social media. You didn't even have internet back then. You were allowed to do a lot more. I mean, so there's no phones and all that. So, yeah, and planes and all that, you're going to get to know each other and all. So it's just different to like really. So I think it's <laughs> for right now, it's see of like how the, it, like you're saying, he didn't say it was his number one priority, but it should be because they're going to have to figure it out soon enough. And it's something that you can't control the media, but the media has a lot to do with it. And yeah. you can obviously see what the media has done this year, and they should figure out that. But, I mean, you can't stop what the media is going to ask. So it's just they're going to have to figure it out. But that I feel like that's going to be something like the extension. It's going to be a while from now. I mean, you're going to run into this, but you're going to have the superstars that were. It doesn't really affect them. I mean, look at Giannis. Look at Joel. I mean, you have the superstars that – you can clearly see where it has its disconnect. And then you have the superstars that don't. So it's just something hard. But, I mean, it is, like, it is an issue. And, like, that's why I don't understand, like, like older generations always getting down on, like, the younger ones and, like, trying to, like, compare. It's just, like, you're comparing, like, apples to oranges. The generational gaps that are, like, tremendous in, like, technology and, like, infrastructure and how information got away. I mean, you look at it. Back in right. the day, Dominic Wilkins, that man is, like, a hawk legend and all that. He was able to yeah. own his own nightclub. He owned a nightclub and partied at it. He was able to do that. You think a guy can own a nightclub and go to that every no. night? You know what you look like? You know, you look like a womanizer. What are you doing? What kind of family man are you? Like, you have so much, but that's why, like, you can't compare generation like the older generation because they don't understand it right now. They don't understand how these guys are going through it. And it's like – like right. peak like stages of like this is social media at its highest. I mean, it could get higher. Where we're going in like society and like, but right now, I mean, it's at its peak right now. And and these superstars mm-hmm. are in it, and media on top of it, and it's just like everything just kind of doesn't work with them. But like at the same time, it's like you know, it's kind of cliche that like everyone's like riding on KD and Kyrie and all that for finally taking it to the media, but it's just like. They just want to play basketball. Like, that's it. They just want to play a game that they really enjoy, and somehow it's they're not enjoying it, and it's not because of basketball and their gameplay. It's because everything that entitles with it right now. And, I mean, it's yeah. going to take them time and all that, but I like that players like 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 DeMar came out, Kevin Love, they are bigger names, so that's going to get the, the smaller guys, the role players to come out and say, you know, I do have an issue. And then finally, you know, you'll see, like, a lot of the superstars being like, you know, it is tough, dude. But, I mean, it's just, I don't understand sometimes why <clears throat> they're just getting such big ridicule right now by, like, other generations and all that. It's just like, you guys would not be able to sweat this right now. Michael Jordan, you're a great player, but you, with your gambling problems and what you did and, like, those stories that I have read and, like, heard of, like, how you could be able to, like, go out all night and gamble, you would not be able to do that. If you were seen after a game no. at, a, at, at a Vegas, like, how, first of all, how would you get to Vegas, like, even if you played? But if, like, you went to Vegas and you at a casino all night, you're instantly on everyone's, that, like, you're on everyone's right. social media. And that's just not on one different form. You're on probably five different because, like, like you said, me and you aren't into big social media, but, like, you name three different things that you're not about, like Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. So you just went live Facebook has a live, so you just went live on everyone. It's like, what is he doing right here? Mm-hmm. After a game, game two of the right. finals is tomorrow. What is he thinking? Blah 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 right. blah. Like even when, even like last year, like we will never know what Derrick Rose went through and all that. But like when he just left the Knicks, like you know, just just left. Right. Them. But like, did something happen with his family? Just but like <clears throat> something as little like that, and in the end. The bull, like the the organization, understood it, but it was just like you can't even do stuff like that. So that's like that's what I don't understand. like like a lot of the the older people are just like it's I don't know. You shouldn't step in this, and this is something that the NBA should be looking at as one of their main things moving forward. I mean, because right now you got viewership and all that. You wanna you wanna save your product and that's your superstars and that's your players like health and mentality.
1: Yeah, and like, you know, for, for a guy like Barkley to come out and um, sort of chastise what, um, you know, what, uh, you know, Silver was saying, I get it. I get it from Barkley's point, point of view. And I love the fact that Barkley, like, came out and just said it because that's what he actually thinks, and that's great. Like, you know, we need people to say what they actually think and not, you know, be worried about what the consequences will be and what have you. Um, and he's able to, to, you know, dole out his um unconventional opinions in a way that, you know, doesn't um seem too offensive. Um so to his credit, like that's great. Um and I love Charles Barkley. I really do. Uh, he's probably one of my favorite um um uh, I I wouldn't even necessarily call him a an analyst. Um he's just a guy who's on there who offers his opinion. Um but like, uh, like, uh, ultimately, no. I agree with you. These these old school guys don't know what these younger guys are going through. They have no, um, they 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 have no frame of reference. They're like a child who wanders into the middle of a movie. Like it, it doesn't add up to them. So, you know, with that being said you know can you can you expect um that anybody in that certain age range is going to get it no they're not but it's great that Adam Silver does um and that he you know expressed that he is kind of a high anxiety person um so you know he's able to relate to them on on several levels um, as far as, you know, losing sleep over certain things and what have you. Um, I, I, I really applaud uh, just Adam Silver in general um, for uh, doing that uh, interview with, with Bill Simmons and everything that came out of it. Um, hopefully we, we get an opportunity to really break it down. I, I feel like it would take six hours to really go frame by frame everything everything that was talked about and like really um get into it um so yeah i will say this uh watching it the second time cuz i did go back and watch it today um he did say uh <laughs> that um uh these these players that are drafted um because of the rookie scale contract uh you know now we're seeing players you know uh, that are drafted by these teams, and you know they they, uh, are, they do what they're told. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, that's probably not the best way to phrase that, Adam. Um, but uh, I knew what he meant, um, so I, I I feel like that's probably why people aren't chastising him for it, because uh, I mean we all knew what he meant that they, they uh, nowadays uh, players holding out from the teams that are drafted from. Is, is very few and far between because of the rookie scale deal. Um and uh you know, he's got a lot to do with that. Um but anyway, uh let's let's move on to our very final topic. Um, you know, before uh we uh end this show we had several more topics uh you know in line but of course our uh, Eastern conference coach uh uh thing ran very long but we'll get into this final one i want to talk about this luke tanking um because one of the things that adam silver talked about in this uh conference was the unintended consequences of various decisions that maybe he's made or he's seen other gms make or what have you and and one of the things that came up was uh, the Supermax rule and how that kind of has backfired and um, the unintended consequences of that rule. Um, well, I think maybe he hasn't learned from uh, some of the unintended consequences. And you know what's funny is Bill Simmons, uh, both in his podcast with Ryan Russillo recently, which I again, if, if if you don't subscribe to the Bill Simmons podcast or the Ringer in general. Go subscribe right now to the Bill Simmons podcast and the Ringer NBA show, because 'cause they're fucking fantastic. This is my by far my favorite uh NBA content to listen to. Um but uh you know, he he brought up uh kind of, you know, the fact that um he didn't bring that he didn't want to bring up uh in the conversation uh tanking. He 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 basically said like Hey, I don't want to talk about tanking. You've talked about it, you know, a million times. I don't know how you stop it. Blah blah blah, which is fine. I get that. But here's the thing: I think changing the the draft odds has increased tanking, um, and this is, you know, my theory on this. Um, you're seeing Dallas tank like crazy right now. Um, like they are two and eight over the last 10 games. They currently are tied for the seventh worst record in the league. They were like 11th or 12th coming out of the all-star break. And sure, you could say, hey, they traded away, you know, DeAndre Gordon, uh, and Wesley Matthews, um, you know, and and Kristaps, and you know, they got him back, but he's not playing. Well, yeah, fine. Kem Hardaway Jr. is better than Wesley Matthews. Um, Courtney Lee, as a backup, is still better than Wesley Matthews. Uh, They're starting Dirk Nowitzki, uh, which is just an obvious tank move because we all know Dirk at this point is fucking washed. Um, So that's, like, another, like, clear fucking tank move. They're not playing Trey Burke at all, even though the last time they played him 20-plus minutes was against the Utah Jazz back on February 23rd. He was 8 of 15, 1 of 3 from 3. He had 7 rebounds, 3 assists, and had 20 points. Um, they played him since then, since that game, when he had 23 minutes and was 8 of 15 with 20 points. They played him 6 minutes the next game, 0 minutes the next game, 15, 10, and 0. They are obviously fucking tanking. Um, So, like, we're seeing, like, this kind of... This system backfire in that teams who would not have previously tanked because their odds, you know, moving up from, say, 10 to 7 uh, didn't increase your odds enough for you to, like, to warrant you tanking. Now it does. Um, So, again we're seeing like a different style of tanking. Whereas the teams that are one through five right now and are kind of comfortably sitting at one through five, they're all fucking out there playing. We saw Phoenix beat LA the other night. We, I mean, the, the Hawks have been competing like consistently against teams. Uh, You know, before the, the playoff break, they beat uh, LA and then they, they beat a couple subsequent teams since then. Um, What are your thoughts on uh, this? how draft reform has kind of not solved tanking, but, you know, seemingly, um, like, made it, if not worse, at the very least made it so that, you know, these teams that are um, now in a more um, profitable position uh, back from the bottom five uh you know saying hey well fuck it we'll tank and uh let me pause this real quick um the lakers uh th- you know there's people out there um in t- t- plenty of people in the media saying fuck dude the lakers should tank um and like i don't think they have um and i don't think they will um but there are plenty of people saying they should because of what it could mean for you know their their draft assets in the off season. Um, that's not a conversation that would be happening in the old um, uh, uh, you know uh, draft uh, lottery odds. Um, so, what do you think about all of this and the unintended consequences of changing the lottery rules?
2: No, I mean. Um... Uh it's it's really early. It's it's hard to tell with this year. I mean, I understand what you're saying with Dallas. I mean Dallas is clearly tanking for a reason. I mean, them and Phoenix, I mean Phoenix is another one. But that Phoenix has been doing it all year and they've been doing it for multiple years. So it's just kind of like the Phoenix system right now. But Dallas, like you said, it's clearly what they're doing, but I mean it can really work out for you. What um what what I like is the whole like if you're the bottom five teams, I mean, in due time, it's going to ease out where, like, this draft isn't as stacked as previous drafts. So now you have teams fighting to be a top-five team, not just because Dallas doesn't want to give you your pick. It's because even if they were to have it, it's not that heavy of a draft. I mean, if you were to see some teams trying to slow down, the draft's kind of, like, top-heavy, and then it, like, trickles out. But I think in a couple of years, especially when the the age, like, whenever the age changes, it'll, like, it'll even out because now you're going to have teams taking more high-risk maneuvers and all that, taking the kid out of high school um, and then waiting for a guy in college that could be a little bit, his game's a little bit, you know, like, more enhanced and, like, you know, and all that. So I think right now, yes, I understand what you're saying, that it's kind of backfiring. But, I mean, even if they still had the last year's rule, I mean, Dallas is still going to tank. I mean, they're still going to get some good ping-pong ball odds and all that. What this just helped out is, like, Stupid crazy jumps. I think, like when Cleveland was able to jump like eight spots and get the one spot, it was just like, yo, whoa, where did that just? And like we have that where now it's just like, if you're the worst team, you're not going lower than five. So it's not like it's drastically gonna hurt you, or somehow you can flip flop and now you became like the eighth, like the eighth pick, and you're just like, yo. So I think it helps like in, in. in, like, a couple of years where you won't really be noticed the tanking and all that, and when, like, like as, like, talent gets better and all that, so, but right now it's just, it's obvious, but, I mean, you should, even with the old set of rules, I think you'd still have the field. same teams figuring out towards the end of the year, hey, we're terrible and all that, and I've heard the whole Lakers thing, like, they should try to jump New Orleans because they'd be the ninth place team, but the only best thing that gets is, like, a 4% chance of possibly getting the fourth pick. I mean, okay, if you really want to, like, fight... No, you it's know, much possibly. higher than that. As far, gonna, as, far as getting so a bad, top four pick, it's
1: way higher. Like if they, so if bad they, they're
2: not hopping a lot of teams, though. So it's like they're going right. to still have a lot of No, leg. they're not. I have the hot thing in like front if of they me. Drop,
1: if they drop to the ninth, I think ninth worst record overall has a 17% chance of getting a top four pick, which is like, or, or maybe 20. Um, so I was like,
2: those are, those no, are it's the four percent vibe. chance. No, it's a 4% <laughs> chance all the way. So it's four to five. So you got a 4% chance. No, no, of no. Right four,
1: wait, 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 it's not a 4% chance to get one of the top four picks. It's a 4% chance to get the number one pick. That's a big difference.
2: Like the, the, like yeah, and then the, the five – so you you only have a 5% chance of getting, like, basically in the top four. So it's not really that high. So it's like
1: not, you still have it's all the – higher than that. I don't have it below in front of me, yet.
2: But it's higher than that. I have it right in front of me. I have it right in front of me. So New Orleans has a 5.7% chance of getting the fourth overall pick. So Lakers, I mean – Of getting really, the fourth
1: overall pick, but, like, not yeah, getting in the top that's four. That's getting
2: into the top four. So I mean, if you get the fourth overall pick, so, so I mean, you were but I'm trying to say, no, that's not the same not thing. It's not that
1: high. You're getting one. That's 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 their chance of getting that one pick, though. It's it's higher than that as far as them getting
2: any one of the top four picks. Well, then it goes to a four point five to get the first. But what? But, okay, we're, we're getting our lines crossed right here. Like, but what yeah, I'm trying to say to is, all, for the later rounds, all of those It doesn't up, really matter. You're not going to have the. Crazy jumps anymore. You're not going to have, for instance, a New Orleans jumping up over the Bulls and all that because the no, Bulls you have better, better odds
1: of that, though. For no, maintaining, no, it. no, you don't.
2: I'm looking at it. You're yes, going to you. take do. a thought. Trust me. You look at take a thought. right now. The Knicks are like you, the, the worst we can get. That's what draft reform
1: did. What, uh, what? are you arguing right now? You have a better if you're the 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 seventh worst team right now that as opposed to last year, you have a better odds, you have way better odds jumping up into uh, getting the number one pick or the number two pick or the three pick or the four pick
2: than you did last year. That's what
1: draft reform was.
2: No, but, okay, I okay, I understand that. But what I'm trying to say is, like, for instance, the Bulls, oh, no, not the Bulls, so the Suns, the worst that they can go is to a sixth-round pick. That's not that bad. Right. But what if you're saying, like, Back in the old days, you could have, a, like, an Orlando, the number 10 team, somehow did this crazy thing where their ping-pong ball fell, Yeah, now but, you just went yeah, from the was, going still, way out there, but, and they just fell so they, bad, so it hurts the, the teams that, like, that. yeah, the, some teams tank, and, you know, you're like, ha you got what you deserve. But some teams are actually, like, really bad, and you're like, yo, what the, they just got screwed over big time, and now – like, the Magic, like, the old ones didn't were, work either.
1: Those were anomalies, man. Those were, like, 1.3% chances. Like, now they have, like, a 4.3% chance. So, like, those anomalies should, you know, theoretically happen even more now. And, and that's why teams that are, you know, these these kind of teams that know they're not going to make the playoffs that are in, like, that 10-11 uh, range, like Dallas. Are, are deciding hey fuck it Let, let's just fucking tank especially Dallas because you know obviously they have the most incentive to cuz their pick is top 5 protected um you know you know i think you're going to have other teams that do that in the future and like it, it just it just reinvents tanking um it it doesn't solve it at all um and i'm not saying like it, it, it's going to be really hard to solve it i'm just saying that like they like it is you, we're not solving the problem. We're only, like, expanding the problem uh, by having even more teams have incentive to tank at the end of the season.
2: No, and I get that. I mean, and but, what, like, they were never going to get away from taking. I don't think there's any way possible that you could pick tanking and all that. I mean, you see it in, in sports. I mean, football just basically just is like, dude, do it. They, football just came to the point where it's like you know if you tank you're the worst place team. you're the like at least they didn't have some like crazy like lottery thing. The football just kind of like committed to like you know tanking's one. So at least the NBA's tried to combat like tanking, but you're never gonna get it like in professional sports, especially. I mean, dude. I mean, if you're running an organization, Nick, and you mean to tell me either a you were you were in the playoff run and your best player just got hurt. And so just like, oh, well, like, it's like say for Pacers, like for instance, that they're way lower, like, and you can just kind of like, you know, kind of half-ass, it. you wouldn't do that to help your organization at that. Or sure. that Or even if, like, even if you're like Dallas right now where you're just like, well, shit, I need to get my pick back because it's a top five, and, you know, we're already kind of terrible, so might as well kind of see. So I don't think you're ever going to get rid of Ticket, but at least the NBA's try to figure out this thing where it's just like, hey, you can take, but it's not going to necessarily help you where you're the 76ers and you're really miserably bad for four years in a row. So you've got, like, a really good pick all the time and all that with the older yeah. form.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an ongoing problem, and it's going to take a lot to solve it. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to end it there. Uh, Luke, as always, man, thanks for joining me. Uh, We're going to uh, have a very special episode of Geeks Against the Grain tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. I'm going to vehemently defend Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, against some haters uh, who are going to come on and try to tell me how it's the worst movie ever. Um, So be sure to join us for that, and we will have Geek Vibes live Sunday at 8 o'clock, so be sure to check that out. Uh, But until then, peace.